think Joe Flacco is actually a very elite quarterback. I would say absolutely he is an elite quarterback. Tom Brady has my vote for the greatest to ever lay some up. Tom Brady, greatest of all time, he got my vote. Number one man, greatest quarterback of all time, hands down, Tom Brady. I'm supposed to be a franchise player. We in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is a public service announcement. End of regulation has been handing out free knowledge and money for 15 weeks straight now. If you're not riding the trend and following us, keep up the good work, and we thank you. If not, go play in fucking traffic. To ensure you guys are constantly in the loop and entertained, make sure to check us out on the gram at end of regulation and twitch it at end of reg. Now to proper practices. I'm your host, Monsieur Mangus. Let's meet the rest of the hooligans tonight in the stew. An early investor in Adam Eve, this host has found tranquility in Florida. Shakes, how we doing, kid? I'm very well. Adam and Eve is a big deal. Really, just adult shops and shit are huge deals in Florida, period, you know? It's the, it's the future, man. Yeah, really ahead of that one. <laughs> Our next host is a firm believer that Stephen Hawking is... Much more of a Lady Gaga figure uh, than, you know, a Johan Sebastian Bach, so to say. Tommy Lasagna, how we doing, kid? Uh, not to, like, get off track here, but who is Johan Sebastian Bach? No, no, no. You can't be recorded saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. We can't start back. Like, we can't start <laughs> over, so just... Tom, like, who is he? you uneducated little fuck. He is a musical composer. We'll leave it at that. Is he alive? No, he's, he's all right then. He's, he's dead right. for hundreds of years. Yeah, all right then. Hop the fuck off. Get with the times. Finally, a young man who had his dreams broken when turned down for a lead role in Rent. Barrel Chest Grimes, how we doing? Barrel okay. Chest Grimes. God damn it! And this pause in you know telecast has been brought to you by Shitty Connection at End of Regulation. Yo, well, the more you know, we'll use this opportunity as a little history lesson. Johann, Johann Sebastian Bach was a composer and musician of the Baroque period. Um, let's see, when uh, he, he was born in March Baroque, of 1685 Baroque. and died in 1750. There you go, Tom. Baroque. All right, so he was alive before this country was even founded, so I don't feel bad for dead him before this not knowing him. Alive and dead. All right. Any, anyways, uh, I'd like to welcome back our friend Harrison here. Doing good, boys. A uh, little sour about the rent, but we're okay. We're okay. Next roll is coming up soon, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, for tonight's lineup, uh, to roll through our, t- uh, our agenda for tonight, we're going to talk about the U.S. Open. Spoiler alert, the course won. 2018 FIFA World Cup has kicked off. We're really excited to talk about that. Stay tuned next week. We'll have a special guest who will do a real run-through. Uh, we've got a bunch of upsets that happened. Cristiano Ronaldo's hat-trick, so we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. NBA draft, enough said. Tom's here to do an in-depth analysis uh, in a team-by-team play. And lastly, just some buzzer beaters. Dazzle you guys with some would-you-rathers. Talk shop about Barry Trotz and his future, uh, the Don, and more. So, Quick warm-up before we dive in here. I ran across this today, and it hurt my brain tremendously. There's only one letter in the alphabet that does not appear in any of the United States states' names. What is it? Oh, shit, um, 
X? That's pretty tough. Texas. New Mexico. I'm going to go with um, J. B. New Jersey. Oh, fuck. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, I, I don't know. Let's not spend too long on this. Oh, what is fuck. it? God damn it. It's Q. Oh, word. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Every mm. other letter is used except for Q. So now every listener is that much smarter. That's actually yeah, that's, that's a little yeah, fun trivia we tidbit. Here. Well, now that you're listening, we'll educate you a little bit on what happened at the U.S. Open, Shinnecock Hills. Uh, the course won. Like I said, you guys can take this away and dive into it a little bit. I know we've got a summary for what went down on Sunday. Um, I guess I want to hear from you guys what your thoughts are. Um, pretty awesome tournament overall. Like when it was all said and done, I think it, it's definitely one of those that we're going to look back on and be like, like the first three days came and went. Everyone was fucking complaining. Every it was everyone, including the fans. I think at a certain point, were like fed up with the course and how tough it was. And then all of a sudden, we have a phenomenal Sunday. They spend all Saturday night like watering the course and you know like slowing it down a little bit for an exciting Sunday. And and we had like exactly the final round that you would ever want, like you would want, uh, with top two guys, really, arguably the top two most talented guys in the world right now, uh, coming down the stretch, actually all day long playing side by side, and uh, in Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, Kepka, the defending champ, Johnson was 2016's champ, so I mean like at the end of the day, what more do you want than than those two guys like at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday? Uh, you had some other guys mixed in. Daniel Berger, um, Tommy Fleetwood came out and shot 63, seven under 63, um, and had three birdie putts on the on the final three holes, none of which he made. So he had a chance to, you know, shoot the U.S. Open um, low record, which would have been a 62. Also, it turns out that if he had just made one of those three putts, including like a 10 footer on the last hole, it would have been enough to put him in a playoff on Monday. Um, so pretty awesome for him to come out and do that, though. Is that correct that uh, these were the highest scores in the last sixteen years posted? Yeah, I mean, I you know I knew coming. I can't remember exactly what it was sixteen years ago. Obviously, that's two thousand two. I can't remember where that was played. Um, but I mean, this is pretty much the toughest one in my life that I can remember since the last time that it was at Shinnecock. So, which was oh four, um, going back a couple more years, it seems. Uh, yeah, that's. They were pretty high scores. I mean, even par one, and all day long, really, you know, it, it looked like one over, two over was going to sort of be the winning score, but Kepka sort of got hot there in the, down the stretch. Harry, talk to us about your boy Tiger. Yeah, man. Uh, Tiger, you know, everyone had a high hopes for Tiger going into it. He, you know, was playing well throughout the year. A couple top tens, you know, a couple tournaments where he was in the hunt and fell short, so, you know, the game, the game's really there. Um, this is kind of what I said. I think dating back to our Keith Hornsbury episode uh, when we did a bit of a preview. I'm hoping I'm not misremembering that, but um, you know, I was talking about how Tiger's a scrambler, uh, and so is Phil. And I think that was just their downfall. This was a course where you had hit fairways, you had hit greens in regulation as hard as that was to do at this course. Like literally, it was impossible to hold greens uh, with approach shots. But you know, it is what it is. I, you know. It, it it puts into perspective that Tiger's just not there yet. His game's just not ready for major level golf. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, generally in majors, they, they really toughen these courses up to give, like, the ultimate challenge. Uh, so his game's not there. He's got to work on that. Um, you know, but 
it is what it is. I guess you know, not not enough uh, not enough ladies on his yacht to uh, keep him to keep him in good shape for the weekend. So uh, he'll be okay. Um, you know, he still brings a lot to the game, man. It's it's awesome that he's back and and in good health. And you know, we're not watching him limp around the course or complain about his back or whatever. Uh, so it is what it is. You know, tough week a tough week for him uh, to miss the cut. But there's you know, at the end of the day, man, a lot of top guys miss the cut. So it's not even a, a big deal, I don't think, for him. So uh, he'll he'll be fine. We got a couple more majors this year left. So hopefully he can he can rebound for those. Well, I think the other obviously hot story here that we've seen and we've posted quite a bit about on our social media on Instagram and Twitter uh, is Phil's tirade, <laughs> uh, his 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 putting debacle. I mean, literally scenes out of Happy Gilmore. Um, disrespectful of golf? Yes or no? Want to hear your takes, Tom? Uh, I mean, I I don't really think it was disrespectful. It's not like you know he wasn't in contention. He knew what he was doing, and he was just it was just visibly frustrating. Uh, I think it a lot of the golfers were almost happy that he did it to sort of express that general opinion like you know fuck this course um but like really like come on phil like be it you know you're be a professional here like you don't you don't do that shit like i thought it was a little bit childish but like i understand why he did it when's the next time the cup or uh yeah when's the next time the the open is held Ed Shinnecock, you think? Uh, man, I, I don't even know. I was t- I was telling my dad really like actually it was, as a matter of fact he t- he sent me a text as Phil did that shit, which to me was hilarious as like a golfer. I I see where all the criticism is coming from. I personally just did not give a single fuck when it happened though. So I mean that that was my initial reaction was just like wow there goes my guy lefty. Uh, my dad sent me a text like holy shit did you just see that. And my response was, yeah, I, I doubt they'll be bringing the U.S. Open back here for quite some time. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't have it there for another 20 years, you know? Yeah, um, at least. It was, just that, it was just that kind of week. It's, it's back-to-back Opens now where they've really, like, lost control of the whole thing between the wind, letting it all get dried out a little bit. Um, but, I mean, props, props to Kepka. You know, at the end of the day, the way I look at it is the best man won – the two two best men and including Tommy Threefoot, Tommy Fleetwood making it three, um, just based off his last couple U.S. Open performances. At the end of the tournament, the three best men were right there. It was in their hands, and that sort of points to the fact that it was a little bit more fair than everyone wants to pretend like it was. So props to Kepka, first back-to-back U.S. Open winner uh, since 1989, and only the seventh player to do it all time. So uh, tournament's been around for 118 years. That's a pretty uh, stout feat. Well, uh, Grimes, we got a little dose of you about your uh, opinion on Tiger, but any other kind of last thoughts on Shinnecock and the things that played out here? Yeah, dude, I I, I loved I loved watching it. Um, even even on Saturday, which was the day when things really started to get a little haywire, and you started to hear like Zach Johnson be like, "Oh, they've totally lost the course." Listen, everybody's playing the same course. Everybody's playing the same conditions. I get that throughout the day. Like in the morning, it's usually a little bit softer, a little bit more playable. In the afternoon, it, it dries out, firms up. I get that, but it, like, stuff your sorrows in a sack, you know, to all those guys who are, who are complaining, to all the fans who are complaining, man. It's, it's for me, for being like a golfer, and, and it's, it's a ton of fun to watch guys try to grind out pars, to try to grind out bogey saves. I mean, Kepko's getting that bogey save on 11 where it looked like a surefire double and it looked like, you know, that was going to be, you know, that was going to kind of 
bring Tommy Fleetwood into like the in the conversation of of winning this tournament from you know from nine over. Uh, I love watching him, man. I, I'm all about it. Um, you know, I get that there's a lot of people that get all pissy and all fucking uh, and all butthurt about it, but uh, I I enjoyed it. it I thought was, it was really uh, exciting. It was obviously Open. electric to watch the course win. Uh, it was obviously entertaining golf to watch, seeing these guys get frustrated and do and feel the way that we all feel every time we get out there, minus obviously, you know, shakes and, and grimes over there. But at least for me, watching them was like watching myself out there. So uh, be- best way to transition would just be to roll straight into the 2018 FIFA World Cup opening weekend. Sorry we didn't get coverage to you beforehand, but what better to kind of just roll into it while we're in the thick of it. Uh, biggest stories that we're going to touch upon right now, Viva La Mexico, baby. Mexico. 1-0 victory over Germany. Brazil was unable to capitalize against Switzerland with a 1-1 tie. We got Spain and Portugal, which was just outrageous, a finish for the ages. Japan beats Colombia. Senegal, first African nation to win 2018 World Cup uh, with their victory over Poland. Um, and then obviously Russia today, uh, you know, with Putin just really pulling strings. <laughs> so let's take let's take an in-depth look here, boys. Um, let's dive right into the Mexico game. Um, you know, a game that set off Richter scales uh, with you know seismic activity. So clearly a massive win for Mexico. I want to hear your guys' opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched literally this entire game. Uh, Mexico went up early, and you know, it's it's one of those things where. You know, Ger- Germany's the bigger team. They're the stronger team. They're the favored team. Uh, at at no point really until, like, extremely late did I think that, like, oh, like, Mexico's really going to come away with this win. I just really thought that, that Germany would bury one against a good team and, you know, to walk away with the tie. But, no, it went the other way. Uh, I'm obviously am not at all as, as, you know, as a USA fan, Mexico is our biggest international rival. I certainly was not rooting for them in this game whatsoever. Um but pretty awesome at the end of the day, like once it was all over, just to see how emotional it was for, for all of their players. Chicharito, you know, like crying as he walked off the field. I'm sure upsetting a team like Germany, sure you know, for a country a like, like Mexico Germany, just means everything in the world um, in, on this stage. So it's pretty awesome. They set off a fucking like earthquake in Mexico on the <laughs> like an official Richter scale uh, with just their celebrations and stuff like fans um, in stadiums and in the streets and stuff. So pretty neat. Yeah, well, Germany now obviously is basically facing elimination with a you know must-win situation versus Sweden this Saturday. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but interesting because a lot of us projected you know Brazil and Germany to be facing head-to-head in this final. Uh, so now with them on the chopping block, it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, Brazil was a big story, you know, tying the Swiss. Uh, 1-1, again, you know, Germany and, and uh, Brazil, both of teams we thought were going to go all the way to the final. So, Hare, any thoughts on that? Uh, just on the on the upsets? Yeah, I mean, I just these are both teams we obviously kind of projected to skip straight to the to the final round, and we now see them, uh, you know, with an upset uh, to Mexico and Brazil with their tie to Switzerland. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I think it was fun to see. Uh, I, I was, you know, everyone loves seeing the upsets, or you know, and even in, in soccer, like a draw is considered an upset when it's a when it's like a Brazil Switzerland type of situation, um, or Brazil Iceland, no, Brazil Switzerland, uh, and, and Argentina Argentina and Iceland. Um, but I, I think a lot of it kind of draws down to how these guys don't play together very often, right? So like 
they're kind of getting into camp like maybe a month or so before the World Cup starts off. So they they've got a lot of you know growing pains themselves and and teams like you know Mexico. I think there's a little bit more team cohesion, a little better chemistry. So I think that definitely plays into it all. Um, and so you know that, that's just kind of what I think it is. I think that Germany and Brazil will figure it out. Uh, I expect them to, to dominate their next games uh, and come back. I honestly, I think Neymar, if he does sit out this next game, he's kind of got some injury problems. I think that kind of bodes well, as crazy as that might sound to say. Uh, he's a bit of a selfish player. They've got plenty of, of talent on that team, so maybe getting him out for a game might uh, might make them realize to kind of switch up how their, their strategy moving Tom, forward. Tom, any thoughts on the Spain-Portugal uh, finish for the ages that we watched? Yeah, I mean, I was I stopped everything I was doing uh, at work. Don't tell my boss that. But, I mean, it, it was, you know, the, the marquee game that since the – you know the the matchups were announced that everybody has been looking forward to, and I, I think it's safe to say that they neither team disappointed, um, and the draw was probably the most exciting finish anyone could have asked for. Uh, Spain, you know, really looked in control. Like you know, they were they were sort of imposing their will for a while, um, and you know, aside from Ronaldo, Portugal didn't have a whole lot. But you know, when you look at the scoreboard. All they fucking needed was Ronaldo, um, and I, I I think they did. The Portugal did get a little bit lucky, like with with that foul call, like right outside the box for that that PK or not PK, but the the free kick. Uh, but it it blows me away, like how with under so much pressure on the biggest stage, like how these guys can just bend the ball like around the line, miss defenders by inches. And then net net the ball like just out of the reach of the goalie. It's and I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but like that right there is why soccer is the most you know respected and watched sport in the world. Like it's just fucking amazing what these guys can do. Brent Harrison, for the sake of conversation, question for you guys. Um, Go for it. You guys see the the Cristiano Ronaldo situation as a bit of a LeBron situation where he's like carrying the team on his back, but this is like a month long tournament as opposed to a you know seven game series. And I mean, like, do you guys see Portugal you know continuing on or or is no, this going to taper I mean, out? No, they're I, they're not that good. I mean, they they are a good team. It's it's tough. One, there's just more parity. Like, it, you can't really compare it. You're comparing apples to to oranges. Um, there, there is no team that's as good as the Warriors are compared to every other team in soccer. So, I mean, really, Portugal could win. They probably won't win. But in my opinion, they they have a better chance than, like, LeBron ever did. But, yeah, Ronaldo is the best player in the world. He was playing like it, especially the other day. Sick fucking goal. Um, you know, scored all three for his team to, to tie it at 3-3. Like, that's that's about as, as put the team on your back as you can get right there. Yes. Oh, sorry. I got a little bit of a recording issue. Um, yeah, it's definitely a similar situation to LeBron and the Cavs where he's he's the main point of offense uh, throughout the team. Obviously, the hat trick was unbelievable um, against a Spain team that's really good defensively, too. Uh, granted, they're, you know, a little bit on the older side, but, um, you know, best, best one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They got Sergio Ramos, who's probably one of the best defenders in the world, uh, stout midfield. So, what he did is incredible. Uh, similar to what Brent said, I don't think it's not sustainable. Similar to LeBron, the whole th- you know that whole comparison. Um, I think it's a little bit easier to do what LeBron does, just because there's only five guys in the court as opposed to eleven. 
on the field. So, you know, I think what Ronaldo does is even more impressive. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's only a draw. Uh, they'll they'll get through to the to the uh, knockout stage for sure. Um, but if they run into a team Morocco, like a Brazil. got Morocco next, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll handle the Morocco. The other two That's... teams are what, Morocco and Iran in that, yeah. in that group. So I would, yeah. I would estimate, you know, every team within each group has to play each other. I would say Spain and Portugal both win their next two games, and, and they're mm-hmm. the two that advance out of that group. That's right. And so, and so it's all going to come down to goal differential depending on who gets that one seed and who gets a two seed coming out of there. And, you know, I just think when they run into a team like Germany or France or um, – I don't know, uh, you know, Brazil, whatever, you know, they're just too deep, uh, too skilled. So I, I just don't see them getting past a team like that. Well, for the sake of time, we mentioned, uh, obviously Japan being a big victory over Colombia. Uh, that was obviously a massive upset. Senegal being the first African nation, like I said, to win, uh, at the 2018 world cup, uh, with their victory over Poland. So those are just two quick highlights. I wanted to run back to Tom. You mentioned Iceland and Argentina previously, um, another draw here, another upset. Not necessarily upset, but a, a bit of a game that nobody really saw coming. Iceland put up a big fight with their young lads. Um, wanted to see what you guys thought. Did did Messi kind of fail Argentina here, or did Iceland just show up and, and play their hearts out? Uh, I think Messi let down the whole country. Like he didn't. It wasn't one. It wasn't two, three. Well, strong like, words from a very strong man. So. He's missed four out of seven penalty kicks for his club and country. As oh, not one what game. Most, not at <laughs> at what out. at what most people think or say, you know, to be the best player uh, in the world behind Cristiano Ronaldo or comparison to Cristiano. So, I, I think it's a uh, I think it's plain and simple that Messi let Argentina down here. I don't know if he let down the entirety of the country, but he definitely. Yeah, no, he's game. probably he's probably going to be exiled upon arrival home. If I, if I was him, I'd look elsewhere for, you know, living. Well, I think you guys are both right, I, you know, in the sense where he let him down. And Tom's Tom's is not even that far off in saying he let his whole country down. You're talking about, you know, a country and in, in, in South and obviously South America where soccer is life. Like, everything revolves around it. Uh, you saw what Mexico did getting the getting on the, uh, the Richter scale because of their celebration after the goal and after the win. Uh, so so it is really that big of a deal that you no know, he that he missed that PK, um, but yeah man this this is like a recurring theme for Messi and I think this is where like the separation becomes between him and Ronaldo where Ronaldo is is as clutch of a player as there is in the world, whereas Messi, you know back to back years has lost to Copa America to Chile, uh, one of which went to went to uh, penalty kicks and Messi missed his penalty kick and they ended up losing so this is a recurring thing man. Uh, Messi is, is just not clutch. He's an amazing player. There's no t- like question about that, and he's been incredibly successful. Won the La Liga a bunch of times and the Copa del Rey, and he's won Champions Leagues. Uh, but man, you know, he he just he struggles on the world stage, uh, and and you know, to me that that's a big separation between him and Ronaldo. I I will say one one thing that I think uh, it's it's almost very interesting that they share this similarity. Uh, is their ability to avoid taxes and get in trouble uh, with the federal government <laughs> for not paying their taxes? That's a stat. Like how the f- that, that's, that's a, real that's a real fact. quick. How do you not have a money guy? Like, come on, come on, guys. Who who knows? Man, that's so crazy. Also, on on that note, I'm putting my hand up. Um, I am for hire for anyone who does need a money guy. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. I will, money I will guy. happily be a money guy. <laughs> yeah, we'll D- we'll DM Ronaldo and let him know you're. If available. you guys need, if you guys need a money guy, hit Brent up. If you need another money guy, hit Tom up. Also, make sure that you strengthen that relationship with your bookie, because this kid has just been picking dark horses, giving you guys spreads, mm-hmm. and uh, his dark horse Croatia pulling it through atop their group, beating Nigeria. Um, something that he called out so interesting to see if this kid continues to call him tom any thoughts so the way i really came about that is uh, about an hour before the tournament started <laughs> i threw in fifa 17 i went to international and i hit random and no lie the first team i landed on was croatia Shut and the fuck up. so i took it as a sign that you know these are my dudes and uh I, you know I, I ended up playing a game one with them and so yeah uh, it was just in the cards, you know, and you know, like we 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 hit on it um, last you know, last week when we were talking about this. Uh, you know, they're a veteran team. They have a lot of Premier League talent, um, and they shouldn't be taken lightly. And that was you know that was seen in their opening game. And so now, you know, them in Mexico are my the the two horses I'm riding in this World Cup. Well, Croatia's off to face Argentina on Thursday. Uh, June 21st at 2 o'clock. Check it out. Uh, Argentina, like uh, we said, coming off of a shocking draw against Iceland. So it'll be interesting to see if Messi shows up this time uh, and kind of contradicts everything Harrison said. But let's roll straight into the NBA draft. Um, Current state of the draft order is Phoenix at 1, Sacramento at 2, Atlanta at 3, Memphis at 4, Dallas at 5, Orlando at 6, Chicago 7, Cleveland at 8, New York at 9, and last at 10, Philadelphia. Tom, why don't you just take it from here? Um, yeah, so shout-out to Phoenix. I like what Phoenix is doing. Um, they have a good young core uh, led around uh, Duke product Devin Booker, uh, but they need more. And the, I think the consensus here, uh, everyone is going to look to DeAndre Ayton, the 19-year-old from Arizona, who is really just like a man amongst boys this year, like just physically dominant over everybody he stepped on court with. Um, you know, he's he's just so big that when he, whenever he gets within two or three feet of the rim, he's going to finish. He's going to finish with power uh, at high efficiency. And he's, he, he's you know, that, that, that franchise-changing, you know, athlete that everyone's looking for. Uh, people... People are a little skeptical, including myself, on him. Um, a lot of times, you know, big men have injury issues. Granted, he's young, so maybe he just hasn't hit that yet. Um, but big men, durability is always in question, which makes him scary. And a lot of people uh, think he, he sort of lacks the, the defensive prowess to excel at a high level. Uh, just because, you know, when he gets out around the three-point line, particularly, he's slow. And in the NBA, like, you know, you, you got to just act on instinct. Like, you can't out-muscle people in, in the NBA. But, like, all things aside, there's way too much upside for this guy. He's a beast, and I, I think he's going first. Talk to me about Sacramento. <clears throat> uh, I personally think they should take uh, Luka Doncic. Doncic, I think is how you say his name. Uh, the big dong cheech, big big dong cheech. Yeah, we'll we'll, okay. we'll trademark that. I, I thought that's what you said, Luca. Big dong cheech, trademark. Um, unfortunately, he's 
he's come out saying he's not sure if he's going to go to the NBA yet. He's not sure if he's going to stay in Barcelona uh, because he is like the guy over there. He's taking Barcelona, or he plays for Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Excuse me. He he's taking that Real Madrid you know team to the championship. He's winning. He's MVP caliber. Uh, but I just I don't think he's going here um, because of his. I think, I think he I think he just entered into the draft. Oh, uh, did he? I I haven't seen yeah, that today. yet. But I honestly yeah. I think the the pick here for Sacramento is going to be Marvin Bagley uh, out of Duke. The guy is just a monster, and he's probably the most athletic big guy in the draft. Um, he's just the most well-rounded for sure. Uh, again, he's, you know, his, his defense can be in question. Um, but you know, when you have a big guy like Zach Randolph holding down the paint, I think Bagley will play exactly into the style that the Kings are going to try and run with that, that backcourt of De'Aaron Fox, uh, Buddy Heald at shooting guard, uh, Frank Mason, the Kansas product, and Boron Bogdanovich, who is a real emerging European star this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go with another European, but I think Bagley uh, is the, the smart pick here. Nice. Well, uh, obviously next up uh, draft pick-wise is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I know that you had some thoughts on this as well, so I'll take it away. Does anybody else want to go? I don't want to just like read all ten of these. Keep ripping it, Tom. Um. All right. <laughs> So, yeah, the Hawks at third, uh, they had a real depressing year this year. Uh, and they have Dennis Schroeder running point, who he's, he, he's you know, he's usable. He's not great, but I think they're going to roll with him just because he has that attitude that you like. Um, but they don't really have anyone at forward. And I think they'll take uh, Michael Bridges uh, out of Villanova. You guys might have seen him. Uh, the junior averaged 18 points. Shot over 50% from the field and 43% from deep. Uh, so, you know, he's he, he's an offensive threat that they sort of need. Um, but he can also play down low, too. And that I think that versatility is going to show up tomorrow night, and he's going to go early. Uh, people are projecting him, like, you know, 8 to 15 pick. But I, I, I really think uh, just he, 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 he separated himself on the national stage. Uh, and deservedly so, he's going to go a lot earlier than anticipated. Nice. Well, um, for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, not much to say here. This team sucks. Yo, uh, chill. I'm a Grizzlies fan. Let me. <laughs> yeah, they well, suck. Before you drag them across the fucking earth like that, Jesus Christ. Um, All right, well, the, step in. Talk the, about what you want to see. The Knicks fucking suck, bro. <laughs> um, that's also, not my argument. It's also true. That's, that's, that's fact. That's fact. Fuck you and the Knicks. All right, the Grizzlies. I pray to God that it's Mo Bamba. Um, basically, all the Grizzlies have had for my entire life is low post play mixed in with like splashes of Mike Conley, like being a serviceable point guard. Uh, obviously, he was out all year last year, so pretty much all we had um, was Mark Gasol and then like a bunch of players who probably are on the spectrum in some way, um, which. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the Grizzlies were fucking bad. And somehow we've butchered the chance to have, like, a top two draft pick. Instead, we're sitting here at the number four overall pick. And my only hope is that Mo Bamba can fall all the way to four. Uh, he's the freshman coming out of Texas. He's, like, 11 foot tall. Um, he's got the thinnest frame I've ever seen, though. So he's, it's definitely going to take, like, a little bit of work. Um, he's, like, even thinner than um, – 
the the unicorn from the Knicks. Um, Porzingis. Porzingis. Yeah, Porzingis. Yeah, we'll go with um, Broomstick so Bamba from here on he, out. He, de- he yeah. definitely needs to put on like quite a bit of weight just in his chest and frame. Um, other than that, I mean, he's he's seven one. He has like a seven foot eight wingspan, and that he's hopefully the saving grace of the Grizzlies franchise. Well, I'm glad you stepped in. Uh, it added a little flair, Brent. Always glad to hear Tennessee boys step up. Uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas is next up. Um, not much really to say here. Obviously, last season they found a gem with Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, he emerged as an explosive talent. So with Dirk kind of aging and on his way out, um, they're going to be looking for kind of somebody to fill that void, so to say. Um, Jaron Jackson is who we're thinking for Michigan State. Uh, he prides himself on his defense, so it'll be interesting to see him kind of step in and, and take this position if uh, he is chosen at this position. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm not 100% sure, but we'll see how Dallas plays this. Orlando is next. Grimes, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, for Orlando, I think this is where uh, Luka Doncic really is going to fall to. Uh, kind of unfortunate considering, you know, the potential that's out there. He was, you know, looking to be like the number one or number two pick. Um, but I think a lot of the uncertainty around if he was actually going to enter the draft uh, is going to hurt him in the long run or hurt him in terms of where he's going to fall in the draft. Um, but I think him teaming up with a Aaron Gordon could be a really dynamic duo for them. Uh, you know, he won't necessarily be the saving grace in year one or, or, or year two. They still have got a, a lot to build. Uh, on that team, but uh, he's got great vision. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, Magic Johnson. Um, so I think that's where he's going to fall. He's going to he's going to go to the Magic uh, with that. What's that? The eight pick, seven pick, uh, five, six, six. Yeah, six. Uh, well, uh, Tom, what do you got for us about uh, the Chicago Bulls? Um, Los Bulls, the doubles. Um, really quick on that Luka Doncic note. Um, I'm excited for him. A lot of you know, you know, we keep saying he's plummeting, he's plummeting, uh, but he. I've watched a lot of his film, and he has that like Euro style, sort of when Manu Ginobili came over, and, and sort of brought the Euro step to basketball, which you and now you see all the elites doing it. Um, I think Luka Doncic has the potential to sort of reinvent scoring uh, in the NBA with this new style. Uh, it looks like a lot of off-balance stuff and sort of circus act shots, uh, but I'm I'm really excited to see him play. Uh, I hope he doesn't go to Orlando because uh, he'll crash and burn and die with that franchise. Yep. Moving on, uh, Chicago here. Uh, I think not Cleveland. Cleveland, right? No, so Chicago's yeah. at seven. Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So sorry, a little tangent there, but uh, back to the Bulls. Uh, they've invested a lot of their recent draft in you know, big men in Lori Mackinan, Markinen, excuse me, uh, Bobby Portis, Denzel Valentine, and I just don't think that they draft another big guy. It's time for them to get a guard, and uh, you know the most you know, fun and exciting name that comes to mind is Oklahoma's Trey Young, uh, who has a lot of doubters behind him. Boo! And and rightfully like so. But uh, in in the in the interest of being optimistic here, I think Trey Young goes to Chicago, and we have ourselves you know a, a, a splash city of the Midwest, so to speak. Nice. Well, that would be a terrible uh, Cle- pick by the Bulls. 
Yep. Worst pick <laughs> Cleveland ever. Cleveland is uh, Cleveland is next. Um, we got them taking Duke uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, safe pick here. A lot of speculation about LeBron and obviously where he's going to end up. Um, so I think the uh, the Cavaliers are going to really try to do as much as they can in the off season to fill that void if it ends up if it ends up happening, which it seems more and more likely. Um, next, Harry, New York Knicks. Thought yeah, about, thoughts um, about Porzingis coming back and and yeah, playing. I actually uh, yeah, Porzingis. There's actually talks that he might miss the entire next season. Um, great. What? Oh, that's that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, there's actually. I just read an article today about it. Uh, they're unsure if he's going to make it back, and this and this upcoming season's the last year of his contract. So, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they might put him on the trade block, kind of so to speak, and, and at least listen to offers and see what's out there. Um, you know, it's it's a Derrick Rose esque situation. Obviously, they're different players. I'm not comparing them that way. I'm comparing their injuries uh, in that way. So yeah, it's one of those things where this guy's a super lanky, tall guy who just got a pretty serious knee injury. So um, you don't really know what you're going to get when he comes back. So that's going to be a big effect with this pick. Um, we've got uh, the Knicks taking Michael Porter Jr., uh, probably the cockiest guy in this draft behind DeAndre Ayton um, from Missouri. You know, lots of talent. Uh, was injured most of this year, came back for the tournament, didn't really play that well, but that's, you know, not really a good, uh, a good sample of his skill. Um, and so, you know, we'll see, we'll see where this comes. I, it should be an interesting pick. I, I like, I like the dark horse pick of, of Lonnie Walker out of, out of the U super athletic, um, you know, played pretty well this year. He has a ton of upside. So he's from uh, Philadelphia, I believe. Um, so that, that's kind of the dark horse, dark horse pick, but the Knicks, you know, what I'm trying to get at is the Knicks can go any which way here. So, you know, Michael Porter is, would, be, would be a good pick. But, yeah, go ahead, Gardner. Is the Knicks picking Michael Porter a safe bet for you, or do you see him as kind of like a Mayfield uh, character where he's a little bit more, like, outspoken uh, and not as much talent that's been, you know, well, being Well, he's, he's certainly talented. He was, he was a big-time recruit out of high school. Um, you know, his family is, is, is full of basketball players. And... It's just it's just one of those things where it's like what do you, like you don't really know what you're getting you know the sample size of his play in college yeah. is so small that you're really taking a risk so that's the only reason why I think they they would shy away from that pick um, but it'll be really interesting I, as long as Trey Young doesn't go to the Knicks I'm I'm a okay let's not sleep let's not sleep on uh, Kawhi Leonard headed over to the Knicks either that would be sick I'd like that quite a um, bit well last is uh, the 76ers trust the process. Tom, I'll let you wrap uh, wrap up with this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we saw it this year where Philly is really just a couple pieces away from being a legitimate perennial title contender um, with Ben Simmons running point and Embiid being arguably the most dominant big man when he's healthy. Uh, they really just need a little help in the forward position, and I think they take Kevin Knox here uh, forward out of Kentucky. He's six foot nine and... You know, that's small, so to speak, when you're talking about the size of Embiid in the paint. Um, he'll be a nice compliment out on the wing because he's got a great ability to shoot. And it's going to compliment, you know, the, the respect that Embiid's inside presence is going to demand as well as uh, Ben Simmons' ability to, you know, beat you off the dribble and create those passing lanes. 
Um, and, you know, if they hit on the right guy here with Knox, uh, like I said, you know, they they will be in contention for a title spot out of the East, which I, I hope they're not. But, you know, I'm giving them, I'm giving them credit where it's due here. Well, those are our picks. We'll obviously be live streaming on social media uh, at the actual draft day. So make sure to double check and uh, see, you know, how we did. Um, last, before we roll into the next segment, about the draft, uh, there is one character I want to highlight. Trigvi Leeson. Uh, he's a 20-year-old. Se- Trigvi Leeson, uh, a 20-year-old seven-footer. He's 260 pounds. He's a big boy. He's been basically shoveling manure uh, in Iceland as a sheep farmer, basically since you know he was born up until he was 17. Got into the game super late. Uh, he was averaging 16.1 points. 11.6 rebounds and 3.1 blocks in seven games. I've never uh, even seen a picture of this guy, but the picture I have in my head right now is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I, 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 I hope he looks just like that. It, it's exactly just like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, so he, he currently plays for the EuroLeague uh, team Valencia in Spain. Uh, he's only played 141 minutes in 22 games, so very inconsistent. Uh, I don't think he's seen very much playing time, and he's worked out with a bunch of um, – professional NBA teams like the Suns, the Nuggets, Dallas, Mavericks, the Clippers, uh, but everyone has kind of come to the consensus to say that he needs some more time to, to strengthen up uh, and become just a little bit stronger of a player athletically, and then he'll be one of the top shot blockers, uh, la- you know, lob catchers, and, and contributing on both ends of the glass. So exciting to see um, where he kind of falls in this draft. I don't think it'll be very high, but it'll be cool to see a nobody who started off late kind of come out of uh, Iceland and make a name for himself. I'm hoping to. I'm um, hoping any thoughts it. before we roll on? None. I, I'm None. No, no thoughts. <laughs> no thoughts. Good stuff. Well, I've got some stuff for you to think about. Brent, would you rather be colorblind or have no taste buds? I would most definitely rather be colorblind. Harry, what about you, kid? I'd rather have no taste buds. What? Um, no. Explain yourself. <laughs> well, uh, uh, what kind of colorblind are we talking? Is this like black and white kind of colorblind, or am I seeing red as green yeah. and black and white? Yeah, I'd rather have no taste buds. Cause, dude, I, I don't know. I like seeing sh- I, seeing I like shit taste and shit and color. Yeah, I like tasting shit sometimes too. But I could deal without it. <laughs> yeah. What what kind of shit, bro? What kind of shit do you like tasting, Harry? <laughs> I don't know. Mexican food. Ice cream. <laughs> Good answer. All right, okay. Well, okay. Would you guys rather get a paper cut in between your fingers every time you touch a piece of paper, or bite your tongue every time you ate something? Uh, I would every rather. Bite? I'd rather get a paper cut uh, because I'm environmentally friendly, and I would just go completely paperless, so I would never get a paper cut. And yep. I'm with that's Tom. a libertarian in you, solved. Tom. All right. Yeah. What about you, Shakes? I have to just completely steal Tom's answer because both of those sound god awful. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going paperless. Yes, sir. We're saving the environment here at end of regulation. I guess you. I guess you guys figured a way to opt out of that one. Uh, well, more important news: Barry Trotz has um, decided not to continue his relationships with the 2018 Stanley Cup winners. The Washington Capitals. I uh, want to hear your guys' thoughts on this retirement. Is he off to the Islanders? Possibly a visa to to party his dick off. What are we thinking? 
If I were him, I would retire, but I would say he's probably not going to retire. I actually just read an interesting article today that he was up in Seattle, and I know that they're thinking about breaking out a, a franchise yep. up there. So That would be interesting. That would be that'd It be would cool. not be his first time uh, being the head coach of a new franchise either. He was, uh, when, the, when the Predators came into the NHL, Barry Trotz was the first head coach there. He coached there for like 17 or 18 straight years until, you know, just four years ago when, when he was removed there and took over for the Caps. So it seems likely if he were in Seattle, which, by the way, I, I really hope they get a franchise, like, on the map ASAP. I, I need Seattle hockey. I bet their fans would be insane. So if that's the case, Barry Trotz would be a great candidate. Harry, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I'm kind of – I wouldn't mind if he retired. I think that's. I always think that's a cool way to go out, you know, the, like the Peyton Manning style, just win and, and call it quits. Um, but I think he'll keep going. Uh, I don't think this. You know, Seattle won't be a team next year. They probably won't be a team the year after that. You know, maybe we're talking like three, four years down the line. Uh, it does take some time to to get that shit, um, you know, up and running. Uh, but I could see him go to the Islanders for a couple years, maybe you know, in, in the interim, and then shifting over to Seattle. He would relish in the fact that they've got these new expansion uh, rules that pretty much give you a Stanley Cup caliber team from the get go. So that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, it'll be cool to see. Uh, somebody talked to me about this real life Buzz, year, uh, Buzz Lightyear stuff. I, w- I want to hear a little bit more about this. Oh yeah, so uh, Donny T started up uh, this this new space. I don't even know the official name for it. Like Space a, a Force. Space Force, dude. He called a it a Space Force. And, the, I and mean, if you don't learn it, the know fir- it now. The first thing that immediately came to mind was like a couple thousand Buzz Lightyears in USA uniforms just like patrolling the skies from, you know, 100 miles up. I don't really quite understand why we need an international police force in space. Tom, have you ever heard of aliens? I think you're I think you're misinterpreting what the space force is. I is think going I, to I do. think I am too because I know there's like an international law that says you're <laughs> you, not allowed you, to you have You look like you're struggling I'm thinking about it. I mean, <laughs> they're they're, gar- they're guarding the American flag on the moon. There's just about 25 armed with men assault rifles that with bullets that can't actually go anywhere in space. Well, Tom, the I'm gonna be in the space force. I will let you know exactly what the fuck is going on. Well, the the, the thing is, there's right now there's already an international treaty. Like you know, it's it's pretty worldwide established that you can't have weapons of mass destruction in space. So I don't know if we'd send up like weapons of like immediate destruction or like minimal destruction, and like bend the bend the rules there. Like I, I was, don't quite get what we're I was. Doing. I was under the I was under the the under or under the interpretation that this was about like space exploration and has nothing to do with like. I think so. Yeah, Correct. Right. I think it's about Thank like going to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched we're the Vice sending, video on this last we're night. We're sending Kim Jong Un's nukes. So we're just essentially yeah. Tom, we're, Tom. we're reinventing the space battle from the '60s. It's a Cold yeah. War. There's 2. no one 0. to fight in space, so your version, your idea of the space force <laughs> is is a few years off, dude. It's way better. I will yeah, say a lot cooler. Better. A lot cooler. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get cooler. there. If you ask five year old Tom what he wants to be, he'd say fucking Buzz Lightyear. And now, if you tell 25 year old Tom that that dream can come to fruition, you best space believe force. that 25 year old Tom's signing up. All right, Tom. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put in your had application. A badass badge. Well, uh, final statements here, Tom. I'll let you uh, just go ahead and give us a quick update. Um, 
I'll save the MLB talk till we get closer to uh, the All-Star break, but I just want to give a quick shout-out. 79 days until football season. We are within the three-month window. Um, and then, you know, Sundays, man activities will be restored. Uh, football will be back, and I am like literally counting the days down already. Don't forget about Saturdays, Tom. Well, everyone knows what Saturdays are. For college, college football. They're for college football. For college what you got football. for us? Uh, I was just thinking today when I was reading over our little summary thing that, you know, and I saw in the in the news today that Tom is thinking about retiring. Not Tom Wells, Tom Brady. Thinking about retiring at the age of 45. And it really made me think, you know, it, it's you hate to see a quarterback that tries to hang on a little bit too long. He's, he's like Cap from uh, any given Sunday. You know, it doesn't end well. And and what I was thinking, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, it but is. this is just a thought. He should have walked away after his last Super Bowl win and just said, you know what, that, that's it. Let's call it. Because, like, you know, he, granted, yeah, he's they're still making it to the Super Bowl, but it's not helping his legacy by going to by, by going to Super Bowls and not making it. Or who knows what this season's going to be. I don't, I don't think you guys look like that great of a team on paper. Um, uh-huh. So... Yeah, um, that's just my thought, Tom. I think he my, should retire. My thoughts are that he threw five touchdowns in the Super Bowl last year. That's great. Fantastic. He's padding. Uh, but they still lost. Can't um, win everyone. Can't win every Super Bowl. Well, well uh, Brett, I'll rip just my quick uh, final statement so that you can rip a little uh, this day in history, all right? That'll work. Good stuff. Well, guys, you know I'm a fanatic about film. I go and see about 100 movies a month, so... Big-time film um, guy. Yeah, big-time big big time film guy I over make here. make films. Make sure to go check out The Incredibles 2. You can skip Gotti. It only made 1.6 in opening weekend, a fucking catastrophe. Wait till it comes out on DVD. It's still interesting. <laughs> Fifteen years later, The Incredibles still crushing it. Not a missed step. Missing Incredible is thicker than ever. So make sure to peep that. Still in theaters. Slim thick. Check it out. Slim, Slim thick. thick with that cute ass. Um, Brent, take us away. Yeah. Uh, don't know if you guys have ever heard of the little band from California, the Beach Boys. Uh, on this day in 1942, Bleach? Brian Wilson, American singer-songwriter, uh, was born. So happy birthday, Brian Wilson. Thanks for the rock and roll, my man. See you boys later. Peace. Later, folks. If everybody had a notion across the USA, then everybody'd be served like California. You'd see them wearing their baggies, Warachi sandals too, a bushy, bushy blonde hair serving USA. You'll catch them surfing at the side.